Welcome to Achieve Wealth through value-add real estate investing. This is the show where the guru hype is banned and you get direct insights from commercial real estate operators. If you're a passive investor, this show can help you better understand investment opportunities. And if you're an active investor, the lessons from each episode can help you to become more effective in your own deals. Now, here's your host, investor and author, James Kandasamy. Hi, this is James Kandasamy. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I appreciate you. I know I provide a lot of value through this podcast and I want you to share it with your friends, with your families and anybody else that you know that kind of benefit from listening to this kind of content. Go share it through Facebook, into LinkedIn, through Twitter, through Instagram or any other channels that you want to share it because sharing is caring. Thank you. Let's go on with the show. Hey audience and listeners, this is James Kandasamy from Achieve Wealth Through Value at Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today we have a really awesome topic that we're going to be talking about, uh, which is completely different from what a lot of you have been listening to uh, a lot of podcasts and some of my podcasts as well, which we talk a lot about syndication. So I want like to welcome uh, Boris Sanchez from Houston to the show. Hey Boris, say hi to the audience and listeners. Hey listeners, hi James. Um... Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for the invite. Sure, sure, absolutely. So Boris owns almost 460-something units uh, on his own, which is uh, crazy, right? Because he's probably uh, richer than a lot of uh, syndicators out there who's claiming uh, they own thousands of dollars and hundreds of millions of AUM or asset under management. Not, I mean, not even people don't talk about AUM. They just say DOS, right? So, which is crazy. So, so Boris, uh, why don't you talk about about how did you get started? And after that, we go into a bit more into your philosophy of owning uh, 466 units, you know, 100% on your own. Yeah, sure. So I initially started about 11 years ago, working for my family company, GoQuest Group, uh, as a mortgage broker. And so I started getting to know the mortgage products very well. I was intrigued by hard money. I'm not sure if your listeners know what hard money is. It's basically asset-based lending as opposed to credit-based lending. So I started flipping houses back in 2011, 2012. I just wasn't convinced with how, you know, these homes were valued. I don't believe in giving the power of valuation over to my neighbors, right? And then letting them decide how much my property is worth. So I started looking more into a multifamily. In 2013, I bought my first eightplex all in. I was... I was too, the loan provided me for $200,000, including 100% of the purchase and 100% of the rehab. All I brought to closing was $10,000. I'm not sure if, again, how much your listeners know about hard money, but uh, that's not irregular for you to uh, get 100% LTC or 100% of, uh, of your cost covered. So I only came to closing with $10,000. And then fast forward to some time, I was able to sell it sell it for $450,000. So it was a very nice profit. And on top of that, I made about $30,000 worth of rents. That's when I decided, hey, this forced appreciation thing, there's, there's something about it. So did you do a single family at all in the beginning? Yes, I did. Uh, I, I guess you can still say that I do some single family, but honestly, unless I'm not getting out of the ballpark, unless I'm really making some good profit off of a, a single home, I'm not doing it. Okay. But in the beginning, you did start with single family, I guess. Yes. Uh, that's then all you, I did in the beginning. Then you went into the eightplex and you realized that uh, you can get a hard money loan on a, on a commercial real estate, right? Because more than five units is commercial real estate loan. Correct. Okay. So tell me about the false appreciation side of it, right? How did you force appreciate on an eightplex? I think the first one, uh, how 
what is your methodology of force appreciation and how do you cover this uh, loan that you take in the beginning with the hard sure. money? I think so small down payment, high value add in terms of appreciation. Tell us about that. Exactly. Uh, well, my first one, I, I really didn't really know what I was doing. I want to say almost that 11 years ago, uh, 10 years ago, the knowledge of how to appreciate commercial property wasn't really that available. Apartment investing maybe became uh, really sexy with uh, you know, in the mid 2010s. But back when I did it, I almost discovered it by accident. I just knew that I wanted to make at least a thousand dollars in cash flow, and also that I wanted to make cash flow while the property is in their market. I choose to flip it. Then, then obviously the, the property will make cash flow while it's sitting in the market. Uh, thankfully, I was able to sell it pretty quick. I'd be very surprised. But yes, you know, I, I found out about, you know, what obviously, uh, you know, what NOI is, what, what your local cap rates are and how you can actually multiply every single dollar of income into and turn it into, uh, forced appreciation. As an example, I, on my, one of my uh, buildings, a 44 unit complex that I have, I chose to install a, um, a laundry facility. In a laundry facility, I owned the machines 100% and it made me $1,000. That $1,000 wasn't, you know, a huge difference uh, month to month, but because of forced appreciation, because of the local cap rate, it actually meant an additional $182,000 worth of extra appreciation. So. I didn't know that when when we when I first began, but I do want to install that. That's exactly what I've been doing is um, kind of like maximizing the revenue, uh, lowering the expenses out of every single deal that I have. And that's actually uh, produced me some very good profit. Got it. So let's go back to the uh, hard money lender, right? So what are the terms that they offer? Let's say, because I never done a hard money lending on a commercial asset, right? So I've mm-hmm. done on a single family house where we do you know, buy, uh, remodel, re- uh, rent and refinance methodology. I'm sure it's a similar structure in the commercial. So the first deal, first loan we take on hard money and after that we move to Fannie Mae and that's how we cash out, right? So, so our down payment is pretty low, right? But I think in, in, in your case, in commercial, you started with uh, with the hard money in the beginning itself, is that right? Yeah, I did. Um, I was already used to using hard money for my residential flips. Okay. So it was just kind of natural that I, I was actually probably one of the first ones to use hard money here in Houston for commercial. But essentially, yeah, it covers 100% of your costs, zero down. All you bring, your, your skin in the game is your closing costs. So I kind of started using that more and more. And I started, you know, advising my clients that also they, they should use it. So, you know, my company then split into two, a brokerage and an ownership arm. So uh, I'm better now, fast forward to now, it's actually grown a lot, but I'm better able to advise my clients on any strategy that should take, whether it's, as you mentioned, acquire using hard money and then refinance using conventional or even agencies such as Freddie Mac. Because I have all these loans, because I have uh, had experience with all these loans, I can better advise my clients on what strategy they should take to maximize revenue and obviously maximize the appreciation. So do they still exist right now? Hard money where they pay 100% of the whole cost? Absolutely. We do it. <laughs> <laughs> so your company provides the hard money? Yes. Okay. So uh, we can procure uh, 100% of LTC of the cost of the entire project, as long as it doesn't supersede 70% of the future as repaired value. Okay, so actually, maybe in some cases, 75%. It depends on the borrower and all that. So, so basically, yeah, 70, you, 75. you get everybody to do uh, two appraisal, I guess. One is essays and the other one's after rehab uh, value. And you take 70% of that. Just one. Uh, most appraisers here can do uh, one combined appraisal where it's, yeah. where it's yeah. as this and ARB. Yeah, and then, one combined appraisal where there's two values, right? One, one is as yeah, is. Yeah. yeah, it's actually three. It's mm-hmm. as is 
uh, upon completion and as stabilized value. Got Obviously, it, the it. as stabilized value is the highest one, and th that's the one we can use to lend 70 to 75 percent on. Oh, got it. So you basically the 70 percent is based on as stabilized values. Correct. So what is the? I mean, if you don't mind sharing the rates of uh, what is that hard money loan, or is it depends on borrower, or depends on deal? Uh, no, I, I don't mind at all. It's uh, it's pretty straightforward. It's 12 percent annually, mm -hmm. and I know most people jump when I say that. But that's why I have come to the conclusion that hard money should be used as a tool to help you get into the property, renovate it, and then rehab it, uh, and then fill, make it you know full of tenants, and then get out of it as soon as you can. So if you're in it about six to nine months, you really won't feel the 12% interest. Um, in the worst case scenario, you do. I think I'm willing to go out on a limb and say that it's it's more expensive than giving away equity in the property. So if you have a cash out, remember you didn't bring any down payment. You're just paying monthly payments. So if your if your project is big enough where it can be done in six months, then obviously weigh that um, into your into your calculations about how much the cost will be. And I guarantee you, almost always it will be cheaper than giving away equity to partners. Oh yeah, absolutely. If, especially if you have high upside, right? That's definitely cheap, right? Yeah. So what about any fees going in, going out? What are the fees? To so in every loan, we have a closing cost of around four to five percent totally, totally mm -hmm. inclusive. That includes origination points, lender fees, lawyer fees, survey fees, appraisal. So that uh, that all gets uh, counted into the cost. So four to five percent to start, and then after that, twelve percent annually, I guess, right? So okay. yeah, so four to five percent, and that's all you bring to the table. It's zero down. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah, I mean, if there's a deal which is high upside and you need it for temporarily, right? Yeah. 12% is nothing, right? So, yeah. because you're going to increase the value pretty high as you move forward on the uh, false appreciation space, right? So, and why, so is that how you build the whole 466 units on your own where you got the hard money and you put in 12% or whatever percentage you yeah. have? Yeah, 90% um, of my deals have been done that way. Another thing that I would recommend to uh, listeners and my clients is that uh, mm -hmm. to forge relationships with banks, at some points in the last 10 years, I was able to finance 100% using my own bank, but only because I had a very strong relationship with them, uh, had paid off millions and, you know, of their debt, they just wanted a loan from me. So I said, hey, look, you have this deal coming up. Let me give you 100% of LTC. So it is entirely possible to do it through a bank. Uh, is it hard? Yeah, you'll have to forge these relationships first. But what better better way to do it than, you know, start with hard money and then get with a, with a broker like us who can tell you, yes, your bank work requirements upon exit of this hard money loan will be this and that, you know, your DSCR will be this and that. So we already know what the bank is going to ask for. We already know the liquidity that they're going to look for. Uh, we're better able to advise them. So what about a borrower who's taking this hard money loan from you? I mean, I know you said asset-based, so the borrower's credit and all that doesn't really matter. Uh, yeah, I mean, for hard money, as long as you have a 650 or above is good. Uh, for a conventional bank upon refi, they're probably going to want to be as close to 700 as possible. But honestly, I've had, you know, 650s uh, with a letter of explanation as to why why they're doing that, you know, why they're that low. But uh, it's, it's all doable, I think. But you have the first lien on the property, I guess, in case the borrower messed up or property didn't do well, then you, uh, the hard money lender has the first lien, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The hard money lender has the first lien and they, they have the power to uh, foreclose, yeah. um, you know, should the loan default. So in the past 10 years that you have, was there any cases of foreclosure where you guys have to take over the property? We've gotten close, but honestly, I don't think we've ever made it to the point of, uh, of, of filing the, the trustee and mm -hmm. of, of getting the, I don't know, uh, 
if you guys are aware, but Texas is a, is a trustee kind of state, not a judicial foreclosure state, especially when it comes to commercial properties. So uh, it's easier for us to foreclose, but thankfully the market has been good to us even in bad times where we, we haven't had to foreclose any. Yeah, yeah. Right. So why are you anti anti syndication? <laughs> you gotta hit me with the big question. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. A lot of my syndicator friends are listening. So yeah, I mean, I, I honestly don't want to offend anybody, but I, I it is my opinion that uh, syndication is a waste of time unless you have millions of dollars at your disposal uh, and you're ready to get eight to ten percent out of your millions of dollars. Then go for it. Uh, you have no time. Uh, then go for it. But honestly, ninety nine percent of the clients and the folks that I talk to. They don't have millions of dollars to invest in in a return. They're trying to get to that point, and that's really honestly what we're all trying to get to. But I don't believe in returns. I believe in uh, multiplying the uh, the uh, in initial investment that you make, uh, even if it's with a little bit of elbow grease, a little bit of hard work. Honestly, it's not that hard. You know, you're, it's not like you're going to be out there hammering nails uh, making this happen. I think it all comes down to education. It comes down to what kind of finance uh, or financial strategy you're going to take, like hard money and then refinance. But it's completely doable to multiply the initial investment that you make. As a matter of fact, most times that, that I've gotten a property and I go in with call it $30,000, $40,000 for closing costs, I'm able to fully get that investment back upon refinance and cash out. Um, so uh, actually, I'm uh, even beyond that, I'm able to cash out even more at, uh, at refinance. So hey, any cash flow is completely positive and almost infinite after that, right? I mean, you've already paid yourself back to, uh, you know, a couple of times over uh, of your initial investment. So that's why I don't really believe in, in syndication. I, I get asked this question all the time about, you know, can I invest with you? Can I put my money with you? I would love to tell them yes, but honestly, I'll, I'll tell them I'll do you one better. I'll teach you how you can do it yourself and multiply your investment. I don't really feel like our company is geared towards syndication. I think uh, maybe we'll get there at one point if we're if we're uh, you know brokering or, or or partnering for hundreds of units. But for me right now, it does not make any sense to buy as many units as possible. As a matter of fact, it makes more sense to own as much of those units that I already own. Uh, as far as equity goes, uh, I, I, I looked at the numbers the other day on my 40 unit complex that uh, is almost fully paid off and it cash flows better than my 100 unit that's fully levered. So, and, and I can do more with equity. You know, I, in any case, I can cash out against it if I need to use the cash. Uh, but a, a fully levered property is, is a higher risk. So that's why I don't really believe in, in syndication. I think you can fully do it yourself and I think you can be the commander of your own equity. Yeah. So I think what you're talking about is basically, owning the bigger piece of equity rather than you know being a small fish in a big tank and claiming that you own the entire thing not true right so absolutely yeah. i don't i don't believe in and i may add a, i don't believe in aum uh i don't believe in assets under management because of that same reason it's a smoke screen uh, a lot of gurus out there love to use oh i have four thousand aum or two thousand doors yeah but you own one to two to five percent of it you know uh, and you're going to get your investment back in probably 10 years. I don't know how long it's going to take you to make that investment back. But what I propose is just make your investment instead of make a return on it, make it many times over with a little bit of just work and imagination. Yeah. Creativity. Yeah. yeah. So I think to, I mean, I, I would completely agree with you. I'm not, uh, for me, equity is the most important. If you can own the entire deal on your own, you really don't have to syndicate. Right? Because syndication means your shoulders very heavy because first you're taking investors money. Second is uh, you have a responsibility towards others. Third is like, hey, you have to exit at some point. 
right? You have to exit in three or five months because you have to give back money to investors. You can't keep it forever. <laughs> it's not your own deal, right? Even exactly. though you are the GP, right? So owning the entire deal is a generational wealth, exactly. right? And, and nobody exactly. can take it away from you, right? So yeah, that's absolutely uh, correct, right? But I think to do what you are doing right now, which with a deal which can be, you can force appreciate and refi and own the whole thing yourself, you have to find a deal with enough upside, right? And I think first of all, I think, yeah, first you have to find that deal. I'm not saying there's no deals out there. There's definitely deals. Second is you need skill to do that. And right? not every syndicators are skilled at doing that. A lot of people are... A broker. <laughs> okay. They a broker? Yeah. So, so we're brokers and that's our job is to find these type of properties that will fit under that scenario. Are we able to find them everywhere all the time? It depends on how much money that we're putting into marketing. But um, I mean, for example, we just published a, an eight unit yesterday that, uh, you know, we were selling for like, I think it was 475 and the ARV on it was going to be 800,000. We can completely cover 100% of the cost. And so are, are they hard to find? I mean, not really. Not if you compare it to uh, the, the, the deals that syndicators are going through, which is 100, 100 doors and up where they find that they're not, that the, the current property is not, not, not you know, uh, charging for parking. So they think that there's a value add deal there. That's it. It's a comparison to that. I think even that there's more value add properties or, or even properties that are available right now that have a lot of upside that, that are small. Uh, more than the ones that are huge and still have upside. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. There's a lot of money on the smaller side unit. So, so how does 466 unit? This is across how many properties? It's across, I believe, uh, eight or nine. Eight or something okay. like that. Got it, got it. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's true. But I'm just saying that there's a lot of syndicators out there really doesn't have the real estate skill. I mean, you can do a lot of promotion and get people to invest with you, right? And you claim you can put teams together, but the true real estate skill where you're able to find how much uh, increase in value that you can generate, how many to find these kind of deals, you know, that's a skill by itself, right? And not, and, and to get, uh, to turn around quickly and to refinance, that's another skill. So the, the problem is not many people have that skills. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but, but what's amazing is that those same people will go in and uh, place a lot of energy uh, into trying to find out how to syndicate what, what a 506 B and C are, how to file the paperwork, how to get with the attorney, how to, you know, raise funds. And they'll, they'll do all that. They're willing to um, go after that uh, uh, knowledge, but not, Hey, let's put actually, let's, let's put the big picture together and say, Hey, can I just put this energy to work uh, on myself? Not on just making others money. It's great. It's fun to make others money. But at the end of the day, aren't we all just doing it actually for ourselves first? So I believe if you were just to refocus that energy into finding deals uh, that are smaller, that you can own yourself, actually, you, you can, uh, you can yeah. do very lucrative. Yeah. Do you think the answer lies because not many gurus teach us this? Yes, I think that's exactly why uh, you have, you know, I don't have to mention any names, the big guys that are uh, that are going after all oh, 4,000 units, I own 3,000 units. And, and that becomes sexy, right? It becomes sexy to people who say, oh, wow, you have how many? They just failed to, to mention the yeah, that's because I own a little bit of it or because I was able to uh, put together a fund. The other day I was given a, a seminar on this and somebody said, yeah, but you know, if, if billionaires are doing it, why aren't we? And I told them, well, because we don't have billionaires money. 
billionaires can afford to invest, you know, their billions into returns. But uh, and that makes them money, makes them serious money. But most of us out here, like I said, we're we're trying to multiply the what we have, not just make a return on it, because it doesn't make any sense to put in a hundred thousand dollars and make a 10 percent return off it. That's in a lot of a lot a lot of people. That's their life savings. And so gurus have been teaching folks that hey, if you do that, I'll promise you a a 10% return and you're killing it. The the reality is that $10,000 a year is not going to get you anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and if I want to go a bit more micro into when I said gurus are not teaching it, people might be thinking, no, gurus are teaching. Well, gurus are teaching it how to put deals together, how to raise the money, how to do branding, and you know how to do Facebook marketing. But almost 99% of that doesn't even teach asset management, doesn't teach property management, and that are the skills that is needed to do what you are doing. Yeah, because there's uh, a lot of turnaround in in a, in a asset value appreciation. Turnaround. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it, it's taken me this long to 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 uh, be at this level. But honestly, when I started, and this is why I say. Every to, to every single person that's starting out in multifamily, manage your first deal. See what kind of manager you are. Are you a hands-off manager? Are you a very strict manager? Are you a manager where if they don't pay by the fourth and you're filing eviction, what kind of manager are you? And then you can train others to have your same style of management. But if you've never gone through it, how can you really know that what your manager and asset manager are doing are to the best of, of your you know ability or, or to the best of your interests? Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, yeah. Sometimes people think that this is easy, right? It has been easy for the past ten years because market has been appreciating. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. I mean, so, it has been. I think you know. I'm also a big believer in creativity. I've seen deals. I've bought deals that were passed up by everyone in town. My uh, 72 unit that I bought last year in the middle of uh, COVID, actually, it was right before COVID started. It was a 72 unit that was, was completely destroyed. It needed roofing, it needed foundation, it needed plumbing, everything, electrical. Uh, everybody passed on it. And then uh, I acquired it because I knew that I can expand those same 72 units to be 100 units. And sure enough, uh, we're now in, in the last stages of actually expanding it to 100 units. I bought that deal at $3.4 million. I've spent maybe a million and some odd, and then it's now worth 8.5. So creativity is the name of the game when it comes to um, these larger deals or even the smaller deals. Uh, let's say that you have units with uh, very large living rooms, turn those into another bedroom, you know, and then you have two bedrooms, units versus one. So I would say that if you are creative uh, you and you know uh, that you can turn that into something more profitable than what you're looking at, then you're going to be able to find these things deals very easy. Awesome. Well, I mean, thanks for giving us another perspective, right? Uh, you know, on how we can own equity rather than, you know, just owning a smaller portion of equity through syndication, right? Uh, and also like, you know, the skills and you know, all that needed, right? To find, you know, turnaround deals and you know, try to be able to own it on your own, right? So, so can let's go to a bit more personal side. I mean, I'm sure you have done a lot of hard work to come to this stage. I'm sure it's not easy, right? So was there any moment in your, you know, throughout this journey for the past, what, 10, 12 years that you feel really proud of yourself that I did this? Yeah, my, my first deal, I was very proud of myself. Obviously, when you're just looking to make a thousand dollars of cash flow and then uh, you just kind of accidentally come across a forced appreciation where you're making $250,000 on the deal, that was a very kind of winning moment for me, right? That was the aha moment. That's what the, 
I wanted to dedicate like, the rest of my life uh, to doing this in some shape or form. After that, uh, I kind of have been shaping my view on what exactly it is to find a deal and to maximize uh, the appreciation on a deal. Yeah, I've been having a lot of those aha moments, a lot of those great moments uh, when we found out we can expand that 72 unit to 100 unit and then, you know, uh, multiply the uh, the ARV of the property was, was a big thing for me because it's, it was then that I said, creativity is the name of the game when it comes to uh, multifamily. It's no longer just about raising the rents or or seeing if the tenants can pay for the water bill. It's more about uh, what else can we do to the property to modify it to modern times. Most of these products that I buy, C-Class and B-Class, were made in the 60s, 70s, 80s. They had a completely different mindset back then. So now we're kind of more centralized. There's more population. What can I do to the property to make it uh, obviously more safer? more attractive to people, but also bring in more money. Got it, got it, got it. So let's say you are given a, a big uh, banner, you know, highway road where the whole world can watch, right? So what would you write on that banner? That's a good question. I'm a, I've been a real fan of wealth generation, uh, and I've been kind of like just re-looking at why returns are so uh, popular with with us, just obviously the 99% of the, of the population that is uh, not, a, not a multimillionaire or a billionaire. Uh, so what I would... Uh, probably put in a, in a billboard is, you know, something like my example, zero to 466 units, zero to over $15 million of net worth. That's probably what's going to get everybody's attention. I'm not a marketing guru, so I wouldn't tell you. I'm sure that there's a, a <laughs> somebody that's better out there that can probably put this in the, into paper. But uh, but something that calls to the attention of like, hey, maybe there's a different way for, for wealth generation that we're used to. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Boris, why not you tell our audience and listeners how to get hold of you and how to get hold of your company and, and any website that you want to give it out there. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, thank you. My website is sandmore.com. My company's name is Sandmore Investments. Website is www.sanmore.com. They can uh, reach out through there. They can actually see the properties that we have available for sale. Uh, they can reach out to us. My email, I'm willing to give out my email. My email is boris at sandmore.com with any questions or anything I can help with. I love to look at deals all day long. So even if you send me a deal that you want me to look at, that you're looking for a possible hard money play or even a you know 100% of, of active investment play, let me see it. And then uh, I'll tell you my opinion. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Boris. Thank you very much for coming and adding a lot of value and giving this different perspective, right? So for me, it's all about let's listen to what everyone else is saying, right? I want to be learning as much as possible. Thank you. No, you're welcome. Thank you very much, James. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. That's it for this episode. If you'd like to learn even more, check out James's free audiobook. It's the audio version of his best-selling book on passive investing. You can get the audiobook completely free, along with other valuable resources, by visiting www.achieveinvestmentgroup.com forward slash free audiobook. Also, be sure to join our Facebook group too. To find it, just do a Facebook search for Multifamily Investors Group. Thanks for listening. Join us again for another episode next week. See you then.